Hello and welcome into a special edition of the Wired Up Sports Podcast here. I'm Josh Coleman. We will not have Dylan Malfatti, my co-host, here with us today. As this is just a recording to talk about an update in the March Madness bracket. Just a little bit of a quick update. Shouldn't be more than 15, 20 minutes at most for everybody here listening. Of course, I'm Josh Coleman. But I wanted to jump into the bracket because, my oh my, did we have some terrific updates, or not updates, excuse me, upsets in the March Madness bracket in the round of 64 and then the round of 32 specifically. There were quite some upsets that I kind of wanted to talk about. Look at the the bracket upcoming in the Sweet 16 games that start tomorrow morning. That would be... Thursday, March 24th. The first game tomorrow is Arkansas-Gonzaga starting at 5.09 p.m. Mountain West time, obviously. Mountain Daytime Standard or whatever it is after the Daylight Saving Switch, whatever the, whatever that does, even though that's not going to be a thing coming up soon. A little, ha- little happy about that, but oh well. But... I mean, jumping back into the round of 32, kind of want to talk about some of the upsets that came with it. And so we're going to start with the first day of the round of 62 and the big one, the one that kicked off kind of that upset streak that really continued throughout the round of 32 with North Carolina taking down the number one seed Baylor, 93-86. to It was a terrific game, one that I wasn't fully expecting. Baylor's especially lately, has been one of those teams to really kind of work it up um, and be one of the better, most consistent teams here in in college basketball. But they fell to North Carolina, who's really peaking at the right time. They're playing great basketball. They're hitting the boards. They're doing all they need to do to win games. And that's really what matters once we get into March Madness is kind of the, the little things, the minute details and that's what North Carolina did to beat Baylor. It was a terrific, terrific game. And then looking at the other one, Michigan. It was a huge upset, them taking down Tennessee, who, sadly, Tennessee was one of the ones in my bracket that I kind of had going either into the Elite Eight or or Final Four pretty consistently. So this one hurt me a little bit. Michigan taking down Tennessee 76-68. to 68. It was a terrific game for Michigan. They're one of the brightest young teams here in this tournament. They got a ton of talent with five-star freshman Caleb Houston and Musa Diabate, and they're playing alongside Hunter Dickinson, obviously, and Eli Brooks is just a consistent element of that team. But in the in those games, specifically in this Michigan one, it was terrific, but you saw the breakout, and that actually was the round of 64, but it continued into the round of 32 was the breakout of Frankie Collins, who uh, really kind of stepped up in the round of 64, played 29 minutes against Tennessee, didn't have an impressive stat line, two points, one assist, four rebounds, excuse me, two points, four rebounds, two assists, but he is one of those guys that if if Michigan is going to have a successful round of, or sweet 16, really, and, and beat, Villanova, they're going to need Collins to step up. They're going to need Brooks to step up. It's going to need to be a team effort. It's going to be 
a very, very interesting game in the rematch of the 2018 national title that Villanova captured. But they that's that's going to be a team that you're going to have to keep an eye on is Michigan. They're, they're terrific, they're playing good ball, and their record does not necessarily show how talented this team is. I mean, we obviously had the uh, Juwan Howard five-game suspension to close out their regular season going into the tournament. They got into March Madness and have made some noise. So there's somebody that you got to be on the lookout for. And then I have to mention this one. We, I feel like as a collective nation right now, we're cheering for this one team, and that's St. Peter's, the Peacocks. They beat Murray State 70-60. to It's It's the traditional... Uh, Cinderella team that we're all following right now. They, they're playing good basketball. They're fun to watch. They're undersized, but it hasn't really hurt them, I guess, so far in this round. I mean, they beat Kentucky in the round of 32. That was quite an upset. I mean, or they beat Ken- Kentucky, excuse me, yes. No, they beat Kentucky in the round of 64, excuse me, and then pulled off the upset over Murray State in the round of 32, but they're they're one of the teams that, at this point, I don't want to bet against because <laughs> I uh, have done that before, betting against Sweet 16 Cinderella teams, and uh, they almost always, always seem to make me pay for it. And um, I don't want to do the same thing because, I mean, the Peacocks they're playing good basketball. They come up against P- Purdue this uh this weekend but they're going to need they're going to need to continue that offensive output that they've had in the first couple of days of the tournament. I mean, they beat Kentucky 85 to 79, then followed it up with a 70-point performance in their win over Murray State. Like they have the offense to beat Purdue, but this is this is a tall task in front of them, but in March Madness, it seems to almost benefit the underdogs in, in almost every case because you're playing with no pressure. You're playing with nothing to lose. You just have to go out there, have fun, play the game of basketball that you and your team have has kind of branded that year, and you give yourself a good shot. I mean, we see it every year in March Madness where uh, it's not necessarily a 15 seed who makes this run, but there's always someone sub-10 that has a terrific run and has the entire nation backing them, waiting for that upset and moving into the next game. I mean, I, this one was tough for me. The Memphis-Gonzaga loss. Gonzaga got everything they could from Memphis, winning 82-78. to 78. I, w- I was really sad Memphis didn't pull this one out. But Gonzaga, they're the number one overall seed. They're easily one of the most talented, if not the most talented teams in March Madness right now. I mean, it's all kind of coming together, but man, if teams can play them like Memphis did, it's going to be a, a tough run to the championship or potential championship because that's kind of where everybody has Gonzaga right now. It's going to be a it's going to be a tight run for them to the championship. And then the other one, it's not a seed upset, but it's one of those where Houston handles Illinois the way they did. And it puts them on the map. They beat them 68-53. to 53. It was Houston is a 5, beating Illinois, who was a 4. So it's not a huge seed upset. But Houston right now, if they can play like they did against Illinois, man, they can beat anybody. And I would not want to be Arizona matching up with them this 
this weekend. That's going to be a tough one here on Thursday. I'm excited for that game. That's going to be one where I'm absolutely tuning in. Don't want to miss that for even a moment. Houston, they're going to give them everything they they have. They're playing terrific ball. They have a talented team. Their coach is all in it. I mean, I mean Houston, the Cougars, they're a team every March that seems, especially lately, that seems to kind of be pushing Sweet 16, Elite 8, Final 4. They have that ability this year. Don't count them out. They, they, they are absolutely a team that you cannot, cannot sleep on, or else you will end up being sent home, and they're, they're going to be advancing. Moving into some other of the upsets, there's just two that I want to touch on really quickly. Iowa State. Nobody thought they were going to be here after the two wins last season, but to beat Wisconsin. It wasn't a, they beat them by 5, so it wasn't a flashy win or anything like that, but man, after just two one games last season to turn it around, be the 11, now find themselves in the Sweet 16, that's just a great story. I mean, I Iowa State, the way, the brand of basketball that they play, it's always one that is tournament ready. They always give people problems in the tournament. Iowa State is a team that I'm I'm not sleeping on against Miami here. That game is on Friday. But I, that's that's one you don't want to sleep on, Iowa State, really. Miami's playing great ball, but Iowa State is a team that can kind of suffocate you defensively and make you earn and work for everything that you get. And it pushes them into a kind of style and pace that benefits them. And not a lot of teams can necessarily recover from that. So if they can do what they did to Wisconsin against Miami, who knows? Who knows if we see an 11 and a 15 or multiple 11s in the Elite Eight, potentially the Final Four. It's 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 going to be quite the tournament closing down these last couple of rounds. I mean, we have the round of 16, the Elite Eight, Final Four, and the championship. we got four rounds left, people. Teams are dwindling down. 16 teams, eight games. It's going to be a fun one. And you don't want to miss any of these eight games coming up this weekend starting tomorrow or today, depending on when this is posted and when you're listening. But that's going to be kind of the the round out. Miami obviously beating Florida, or Auburn, excuse me, is a ter- huge upset. They just didn't beat Auburn either. They handled them pretty well, beating them by 18, 79 to 61. I mean, Miami, they're also a team... If they get hot, they aren't somebody you necessarily want to match up with going into kind of that final game, or not final game. You don't want to match up with them when they're hot, because if this Miami team is hot and they catch fire, oh baby, you do not you do not want to be on the other end right now. Especially, I mean, they're 25 and 10 this season. They they've had some big wins. I mean, they beat Duke by two on January 8th when Duke was the number two team in the nation. They beat UNC, who's in this Sweet 16. They beat Vatek, who was in the tournament. They beat Wake Forest at the time when they were receiving votes and ranked 25th, 76-72, February 12th. This team is not one you want to catch when, when they're feeling it. I mean, they lost to Duke in the ACC tournament by four points. That this is not somebody you want to catch on a good night because they will absolutely make you pay for it, and you don't want to be on the other side. I mean, 
Miami, they never reached the Elite Eight, but Coach Jim Laranega has experience. He's taken double-digit seeds all the way to the Final Four. He did it in 2006 with George Mason. I mean, it it is one of those teams where you don't want to sleep on him. Laranega, he's a great coach. He's got his team peaking at the right time. Like it, This Miami team is not one I want to run up against. But jumping into our games here on Thursday... It's going to be some pretty good basketball for everybody, to say the least. I mean, first game of the night on Thursday is uh, Gonzaga-Arkansas. I think that's going to be a terrific game to watch. I do think Gonzaga is going to pull it out just because, like I mentioned a little bit ago, they are one of the most talented teams in the country. They're playing really, really good basketball right now. I mean, they got Drew Timmy, Chet Holgram, um, and I just forgot the name of their guard, who's really good, number three, Andrew Nemhard. So you got Timmy, Chet Holgram, Andrew Nem- Nemhard, um, Hunter Salas. I mean, they have so many guys on this Gonzaga team that you don't want to make mad. You don't want to see them go off. I mean, Drew Timmy, he's been having stretches lately. Like, Timmy had 25 against Memphis in the round of 32. He had um, 30-plus in the round of 64 against Georgia State. He had 32 in the round of 64 against Georgia State. Timmy's playing well right now. Holgram's playing well, who in the round of 64 posted 19, 7, 19 points, 17 rebounds, and 7 blocks. And then followed it up with a performance of 9 points, 9 rebounds, 4 blocks in the round of 32 against Memphis. I mean, this team is not one you want to see catch fired. Nemhard had 23 in the against Memphis. 23 points, 5 of 10 from behind the arc. If he catches fire from behind the arc, you might as well say goodbye to the rest of the game. Because Gonzaga is too good of a team to let one of their best players get hot from behind the arc and not take advantage of it, not get him to spots that he's comfortable shooting out of. Like, they will do whatever they need to get back to the national championship and then come out on top this year. They they got there last year, fell in, in heartbreaking fashion, to say the least. But they're going to... They're going to want that national championship, specifically Drew Timmy, who I think... I'm not fully sure how he fits into the NBA's scheme nowadays, but if he's not in the NBA, I will be surprised. I will genuinely be surprised because he's one of the best bigs in all of college basketball. His footwork in the post is unmatched. Like, he is one of the best players in all of college basketball. You, There is no ifs, ands, buts about it. He's that dude. Um, but looking into some of the other games, Michigan-Villanova, I think that game is going to be a terrific one. I mean, we already talked about Michigan a little bit in this podcast. They they got Caleb Houston, Musa Diabate, Hunter Dickinson, Elijah Brooks, or Eli Brooks, excuse me. Um, they have a ton of pieces to give this Villanova team everything they got. And for Villanova's point guard, Colin Gillespie, it's a little bit of a personal game for him. I mean, obviously... 2018 national title they beat Michigan for that title so it's a rematch of it but for Gillespie who's kind of been a key he was 
a key role player in that in that national championship. He's taken over as one of the main stars for this Villanova team. I mean, he's gonna be dialing it up. He's he's not gonna take any chances in losing this game. I think Villanova is a team that you just can never sleep on with head coach Jay Wright over there. He's one of the best coaches in all of college basketball right now. I mean, this is one of those teams that even if you give them everything you got, you hold it to a two-point game. If Villanova has a two-point lead in the final two minutes, they win. They're very good at the free-throw line. They're disciplined. They don't make a ton of mistakes. And as I say this, I just have a feeling that it's going to bite me uh, coming up. But, I mean, Villanova, very comfortable in tight games. They're a very experienced group. Jay Wright has them work a ton of situational basketball. Like, this is a team that you don't necessarily want to match up with in the Sweet 16, especially after they've had four days, three, three and a half, four days to prepare for you. Because all of these games are starting after five, they've had a lot of time to prepare for the Sweet 16 matchup, who they're going to be playing against. So I expect Villanova and head coach Jay Wright to have game-planned this Michigan team into a spot where they know that they are better in certain areas, whether that be in the post, because I haven't seen enough of this Villanova team to clearly say what their strengths are individually, but as a team, they, they have the brand of their experience. They do not let, they do not beat themselves is a better way of saying that, and that is what matters come March time. If you don't beat yourself, you got a good chance of winning. But if you're turning the ball over a ton and have too many mental errors, the game can get away from you and can get away from you quickly. Last two games tomorrow, Texas Tech Duke, genuinely no idea how this game's going to go. I mean, it's Coach K's last season, so Duke is playing for a lot. Texas Tech right now, they're playing very, very good basketball. Like This is not a team you kind of want to see right now. It's interesting for the head coach battle because obviously you're in Coach K's final year, potentially final game if they end up losing, but it's his final year, final March Madness, final dance, whatever whatever you want to call it. This is a big one for, for Duke specifically. They survived a second-round battle with Tom Izzo, Tim Izzo. Excuse me, Tom Izzo. I don't know what just happened in my brain. Tom Izzo in Michigan State. But, I mean, there's not a ton that you fully know about Mark Adams and his Texas Tech team, who's in his first year. But in Coach K's 42 run, Adams has coached at Clarendon College, Wayland Baptist, West Texas A&M, Texas Pan America, Howard College, and Little Rock. A lot of those schools are either small D1s, D2s, um, I'm not fully sure what Clarendon College is or w- what division they sit in, whether it's D2 or D3 or NAIA or any of those other ones below it. But, I mean, that is, if he is able, if Mark Adams, a guy who's had a storied journey to get to where he's at versus Coach K, who's been a staple of college basketball for the last 42 years, um, at Duke University, that does not include his time over, uh, I believe it's at West Point, but prior to coaching at Duke, that's kind of it. Like, Coach K's 
been at Duke almost twice as long as I've been alive, if that puts it in perspective for you all. He's 42, you're run at Duke, I'm 22. He's got two years on me. But this is a game I don't fully know how it's going to go. Texas Tech, they're playing good ball. They're a gritty defensive team. They play very physically. They get up on ball handlers. Duke, on the other hand, they have a terrific offense. At times, defensively, they get a little a little lackluster and, and slack off. And that is where Texas Tech kind of has the advantage. To me, they don't necessarily take plays off. While some of the younger superstars at Duke, they do occasionally. Like I don't expect Paulo Bancaro or uh, Wendell Moore to, to do that, but those are two guys. And Duke is going to need a full team effort again to get past Texas Tech like they did against Michigan State. Like, this isn't one of those games where I gen- it, it's 50-50 in my mind. Texas Tech can win, Duke can win. We just have to wait until 7.39 on Thursday afternoon to figure out who is going to get that advantage and who's going to be the better team that night. And that gives us one last game for tomorrow, Houston versus Arizona. I'm going to go out on a limb here. I don't know how, what this is going to do to me. Hopefully I don't get roasted too much on our social media pages, but I'm taking Houston over Arizona in this game. I think another one seed's going down. I think Houston has the ability, the team, to do it. They play physical on defense. They're a good offensive team. They can score from anywhere, whether it's in the paint, mid-range, behind the arc, fast break. They can do it all. And I'm just not fully sold on Arizona just because they're kind of like Kentucky. They're just one of those consistently, not necessarily overhyped teams, but one of those teams, especially when it comes into March, that you hear a lot about but never really does a ton come March. And I, I really hope this doesn't come back to bite me. Because I'm taking Houston over Arizona in that game. I think this is going to be a terrific, terrific basketball game. There's a reason it's the final one of the night. Because they want all of us to see it. But, man. Houston's physical brand of basketball against Arizona's high-flying attack. There's gonna, this is going to be a fun basketball game to watch. Both of them are playing with a little bit of a desperation. And, and I'm... This game will be coming down to the wire. It's going to be decided by the final possession. It's going to be a game that you don't want to miss, so don't miss it. That's all I'm trying to say. I'm taking Houston. You can take Arizona. I will live with my pick even if Houston loses. I hope you all do the same. I'm taking Houston. Moving into Friday, though. St. Peter's, Purdue. This one's tough. I don't want to bet against a 15 because they've proven me wrong so many times. But Purdue's a tough matchup for St. Peter's. Purdue's going to have the size advantage. They're going to really kind of control the game pace-wise, I imagine, as well. But it's the NCAA tournament. We've seen crazier things than a 15 beating a 3 in the Sweet 16. Like, there have been wilder things to happen. The one that instantly comes to mind would be Butler and their historic run. I know they didn't win the national championship. They fell to Duke in, uh, I believe it was 2008, their first time being there with Gordon Hayward and all all of those guys. But 
that was one of the teams that nobody saw coming. St. Peter's is one of the teams that nobody saw coming, and you never want to bet against those kinds of teams. I don't have a ton to say about this game just because it is one of those that can go either way. Purdue could absolutely control this game the entire way. They could win by 15-plus. St. Peter's could keep it close and then end up pulling it out or keep it close but fall by like two or three. This game has every outcome on the table. I don't know. I don't think it'll be a blowout, but, I mean, I've been wrong before, so I hope you guys stick with me on that one. I just can't bet against St. Peter's because they're the story of the tournament right now. The story of the tournament. Moves us into our next game, Providence and Kansas. Providence is playing really good basketball again, and I don't want to say two one seeds are going to lose in the round of 16, in the Sweet 16, but there's a chance... Providence gets it done over Kansas. I mean, there's we've seen crazier things. Providence, they're playing terrific basketball. They play with a little bit of a slower pace, which if they're able to control the pace of the game, I think is going to mess with the Kansas Jayhawks offense. I think it'll throw them out of rhythm a little bit. I don't think it'll throw them out of rhythm enough. that This game is going to be a blowout by any means. I think this is going to be one that hovers... If it if it's a double-digit win, I don't think it's more than 12. I think it's going to hover under uh, 8 to 10 points for the final score. Again, it's one of those, I genuinely have no idea how it's going to go. Providence could win. They're playing great ball. Kansas can win. They're playing great ball right now. Bill Self has his Kansas team looking like, they, like the Kansas teams of old, ones that always consistently... We're playing in the Sweet 16, Elite Eight, Final Four, National Championship games. Like This is one of those Kansas teams that can absolutely get to the Final Four, potentially the championship. And depending on who they're matching up with, whether it's Gonzaga or anybody else, I think that this is a team that can do it. They can win it all if they get the right matchups. I'm not going to say they're going to outright beat Gonzaga, because I think Gonzaga is a tough team to beat right now. Like, just if ands or no if ands or buts, they're just one of the best teams in all of college basketball. They're playing terrific ball, have great size and all of that. This game, no idea. I genuinely, I think Providence has. Oh, sorry. I think Providence has a good chance to pull this one out over Kansas. But I wouldn't be surprised if it went either way if Kansas pulled it out. But if Kansas does end up winning, they're going to most likely see... Oh, actually, no. Kansas is on... I, I forgot which side of the bracket they were on for a second. They're on the Midwest. So either one of these teams has seen a 10 seed or lower. And that bodes well for both of them to get into the Final Four and try to make a push for a national title. And I know Kansas is going to want to do that here coming up on Friday. They play the second early game at 529 on Friday, 529 p.m. Mountain West Time. Mountain Standard Time, Mountain Daily Time, whatever you want to call it. I don't care. I genuinely don't. But we're going to move into our last two games of the Sweet 16. North Carolina. And UCLA. And this is a tough one for me to predict. I mean, UCLA 
they got to the Final Four last year. Johnny Juzang's back. He won. Johnny Juzang might be one of the most talented players in college basketball. That man impresses me on a nightly basis. He is unbelievable for UCLA, and he's got this team doing similar things to what they did in the tournament last year when they got to the Final Four, and I think I think it's going to bode well for them. UCLA, though, they come into this game shooting 45% from the field, 35 from behind the arc, which are both similar to North Carolina, 45 from the field for them, and 36% from behind the arc. Both teams hover right around those mid-70s as well for the free throw percentage, but this is a game that I think is going to be decided by the glass, much like a lot of basketball games are, but... UNC, they averaged 37.2 rebounds per game compared to 34.1 for UCLA. Offensive boards, though, UCLA holds the advantage 11.5 to 10.9. And that is where it's going to be crucial on Friday. Whichever team controls the offensive glass, in my mind, wins this game. Just because both teams focus so heavily on it, they both really, really want to get to the offensive glass for easy putbacks or to just extend possessions. But they love to rebound. Both these teams are great rebounding teams. And to me, this is a tough one. I mean, UCLA, they were the second best team in the Pac-12 this year behind Arizona. But I think they have the experience needed to do it. I mean, they were here in the Final Four last year. If I'm remembering correctly, it's one shot that changed everything. They lost to Gonzaga by less than three. I know that. In that Final Four game last year between UCLA and Gonzaga, they lost 93-90 to in overtime. That is a team that is going to be ready to compete to get back to a Final Four, get back to a potential national championship and a potential rematch with Gonzaga. It would have to come in uh, the championship if they did get that rematch as both teams actually allied again. If, If these two teams were to meet, it would be in the Final Four yet again. So if, uh, and I know UCLA is going to want that shot back at Gonzaga. I think this is a tough one, but I think they're going to get it. I do think UCLA is going to end up pulling the victory out over UNC. It's going to be a terrific game, but I think UCLA pulls it out behind Johnny Juzang, who I think is about to go off in these final potential last four games of the season potential his career I'm not fully sure where he stands on the NBA draft or anything like that but he's got the talent to be an NBA product I'm not going to say NBA superstar or star or anything like that because I'm not going to try to project his trajectory in the NBA but he's a guy that can absolutely win this game for UCLA and he's going to have to if they want to advance into the Elite Eight that moves us into the last game, Iowa State and Miami. Guys, I don't know. I don't know how this game's going to go. I really don't. I think it's tough. This one's really tough for me, everybody, just because 
Like, this is the one game where I genuinely don't know who's better. It's <laughs> And this line of the CBS article that I was reading prior to this recording and doing some research, I think sums it up perfectly. It says, it's just random. You're right, CBS Sports. It is just random. It doesn't necessarily feel like this is a a March Madness game that anybody ever thought we were going to be getting in the Sweet 16. Miami, the 10 seed, Iowa State, the 11. It's going to be a fun game, though. I'm excited for this one. I think it's going to be one of those where you don't really know who's going to get the edge. But I do think Miami has the team to do it. We already talked to them, talked about them a little bit prior to breaking all of these games down, but I think that they've got a very, very talented group. And Larinaga, who's a very good coach, he's got he's got the ability to do so. He's got the ability to get this Miami team over the hump and into their first Elite Eight ever in school history. They've never gotten there. They've never reached the Elite Eight. As I mentioned a little bit ago, Larinaga, he has experience taking double-digit seeds all the way to the Final Four, though, as he did it with George Mason in 2006. It would have been seven, but I'm pretty sure I remember that run. It was amazing to watch. And I'm not going to act like I remember every detail of it, because, again, I was seven. But... If Larinaga is able to repeat kind of that performance that he got out of his team in 2006, Miami's a team you don't want to see. I mean, we went through it already. They lost to Duke by four in the ACC tournament, a game that really could have gone either way. I, I, I watched it. Miami was giving Duke everything that they could handle, and then Duke ended up falling in the ACC championship game to Virginia Tech. I think... Miami pulls out this game over Iowa State. <laughs> if Iowa State wins, I don't know if I'm going to be upset because either way we're going to see a 10 seed or lower in, in the Final Four, or not the Final Four, in the Elite Eight, excuse me. But I just, I think Miami's going to be able to do it because I think they have the better offense. And I'm not fully sure what this one is going to come down to whether it's the offensive glass who makes their free throws in in those closing minutes because we all know that's important as well in college basketball you got to hit your free throws but it's one of those where I'd, I think it goes either way I think it it really depends on the opening 5 minutes of this game for me just because I think that's going to be the tone setter who is able to get the nerves out of them and calmed first and that's who wins this game. But I guess we'll just have to see. Again, Sweet 16 starts Thursday, March 24th. First games are at about 5.30-ish. Starting just a little bit. Actually, excuse me, they start at 5. The first game starts at 5.09. Second game is at 5.29 tomorrow. First game is between... Arkansas and Gonzaga. It's going to be a terrific matchup. But that's going to conclude this little... It was a little longer than I initially anticipated it going, but it's going to conclude this little short clip of the Wired Up Sports Podcast. I'm Josh Coleman. And make sure 
to check out all of the podcasting apps for new episodes and all of that jazz. And our Twitter, the Wired Up Sports Podcast. Our at is wired underscore up underscore sports. Yes, I know it's not the easiest, but you can follow us there on Twitter and ask us any questions, get some debate started, anything that you want to do over at our Twitter, the Wired Up Sports Podcast. It's got the gray logo, as does all of our pages on Google Podcasts, Apple Podcasts, and Spotify. But that's going to do it. Have a great rest of your day, everybody.